Hello, and welcome to the ADHD Deep Dive, the show that's not about ADHD, but is filled with proof it exists. My name is David J. Mund, um, and this week, don't call it a clip show, it's it's pretty much a clip show. Um, this week, uh, we're going to be revisiting some old conversations, or conversations that I had with some uh, former mentors of mine, teachers, um, youth pastors. Um, I'll kind of be reintroducing them. Judah, sit still, bro. Okay, uh, I'll kind of be reintroducing them um, before each clip so you guys can kind of refamiliarize yourself with them. Or if you've never heard these episodes, that's great too. These are just people in my life who um, had an impact on me when I was a lot younger, and I have kind of come full circle to be friends with them later on in my adult life. Um but I wanted to shoot this little header so that I could tell you something fascinating. Something really cool about what's going on with the ADH deep dive. So I don't really know how to pitch this because it feels weird to even be talking about it in the first place. Because what I'm about to do is ask for m money. But I'm not directly asking for money. What I'm doing is asking you to subscribe and become essentially, so this is not Patreon. My podcast is hosted through a host site called Buzzsprout. And Buzzsprout now allows for paid subscriptions for monthly contributions for as low as $3 up to as high as $10 a month. There's no high-end contribution. There's no, like, big one-time donations. Um, if you'd like to do that, you could just Venmo me. <laughs> uh, and if you want to know my Venmo, you could just DM me. Should I put my Venmo in a podcast? Probably not, right? There's probably something illegal about that. I don't know. Probably not. I don't know. You want to help me out? Shoot me a Venmo. We'll talk about it later. But anyways, Buzzsprout subscriptions. This is a monthly subscription that you can cancel at any time. So if you decide that you want to make a $3 contribution to the ADH Deep Dive and that's it, you just click the link that is either in the description tab of the YouTube video or if you're uh, watch or listening on um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, there should be a link to tap to Buzzsprout subscriptions. Um, like I said, I believe there's a $3, a $5, a $7, and a $10. What the subscription is doing, we can kind of communicate about weekly. Um, really, this isn't like a, you know, David's looking for money so he can pay his groceries thing. This is a how does David make this podcast uh, not and not even profitable. It's very difficult to do this on a weekly basis. To, so to ensure that it is financially possible to do on a weekly basis so you can continue to receive the quality content, entertainment, quality, ent I can't even speak about it. You know what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying you now have the option to financially contribute to the ADH Deep Dive. If you'd like to click the link in the description, um, like I said, cancel at any time. If you just want to throw a quick five bucks, throw it in there and then cancel the subscription immediately thereafter. You do not have to do it monthly. Um, but it was just a cool opportunity that popped up now that I have enough viewers and listeners on the podcast for Buzzsprout to start offering that to me. So once again, um, just click the link in the description. You'll go to Buzz 
Sprout subscriptions. Um, and you have the option to contribute $3, $5, $7, or $10 monthly or one time only. Um, and then, you know, DM me for my Venmo. Um, let's see, what else do we have to get uh, squared away before we start? Um, this show is always supported by catandcrew.com. Um, there's going to be a more specific ad read, a more detailed ad read, and maybe a, a little split commercial that I'll be able to pop up um, in these podcasts. They really do give the only Mund-related discount that any business gives right now, and that's cool to me to know that there's a place where you can go that I can help contribute to exclusive discounts and content. Um, so catandcrew.com, uh, it's very difficult for me to explain it without having the ad read in front of me because, again, this show's not about ADHD, but it's filled with proof it exists, and my brain is running. I knew that I already had to do the pitch about the Buzzsprout subscriptions, so I don't have enough mm, storage space in my brain to know what else I'm supposed to say about pitching things. So if you go to catandcrew.com and enter the promo code MONDAY, M-U-N-D-A-Y, Monday, M-U-N-D-A-Y, uh, you're going to get 10% off your first purchase. Um, terms will apply. Let's just call these dudes my pop punk friends with a real rad aesthetic. If you're watching the video version, that banner in the back says this is not a punk house, it's a punk home. Uh, they've had those out for a while. They've also had this skull planter out for a while that currently has my dragon fruit cactus in it. Two of my favorite pieces um, around my house aesthetically. So no coincidence that they were both made by Katie and Andrew at catandcrew.com. Um, if you scroll through some other uh, website, like I said, terms will apply. They have some new products out right now that are super cool. Um, but I do not believe that the promo code will apply for the new things. Not quite yet. But again, catandcrew.com, enter the promo code Monday, M-U-N-D-A-Y. Get 10% off your first purchase. And then uh, by clicking the link in the description here, you can get to Buzzsprout subscriptions. Contribute $3, $5, $7, or $10 monthly or just on a one-time basis by canceling any time. Okay. I think that's all I really needed to get out this week. Um, so, without further ado, please enjoy this totally not a clip show, but kind of sort of a clip show clip show um, featuring some little snippets of conversations with my, let's call them my mentors, right? Starting first with Frank Youngman, my middle school and high school jazz band teacher. Um, all right. Thank you for joining, and I'll, uh, I'll see you on the other side. From episode number nine, my former band teacher, Frank Youngman. At all. I, 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 appreciate, I appreciate that, David, but that's the last thing you should feel. Well, I well, that's too damn bad. Uh, I think that just about anybody, at least in my age group, who's watching this episode or listening to this episode, was probably in some way related to the band class or the jazz band class. They knew you in some regard. And Frank, you have done so much that you aren't even particularly aware of for my career in general. Um, I think that drumming alone was my first opportunity to like feel what it was like to be inspired creatively. And when you're a kid, it's a very delicate situation in that if you do not feel properly supported, you're not, A, you're not going to continue, but B, or sorry, A, you're not going to thrive, but B, you may not just continue at all. You may give up. Right. And to me, when I was part of your class, even though I was a rambunctious wild child, 
there was never there was never the idea that it was worth quitting. And I think it was because you were so good at making students feel like they were talented, regardless of whether that was objectively true or not. Yeah, well, <laughs> so, and that, that further expands into just confidence creatively in my career, whether it's an actor or a cinematographer or a director or whatever, you were able to take kids at such a sweet spot in their life, a very delicate, time in their lives. Obviously they hop into your class around middle school, very formative years. Um, and I just, yeah, I just want to start by initially thanking you. I will, I will, um, proverbially kiss the ring for the rest of this episode, because again, not just as a friend, but I am a deep fan of yours musically as well. So I don't know. I just, I love you, man. And I thank you for everything that you've ever done for me. And I know that there's a lot of, a lot of people listening right now who feel the exact same way as me. So, uh, David, thank, thank you. you. You're welcome, and thank you. That's. It's hard to express how much. When a former student, expresses what you mean to him. I mean, I I could get real choked up when I talk about it because it, because most of us spend our life wondering if they've made a difference. Right. You know? I mean, that's that's sort of, and I still feel that. I mean, it's like wow. I'm sure. I mean, I I do I. Uh, yeah, it, it, it means a lot. Well, I, I think particularly now, too, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about retirement and how that kind of came into your life. But I think right now, especially that feeling that you feel when you get some sort of validation from your students is something that a lot of teachers are lacking right now, because it must be the most insane time to be a teacher right now. I can't I can't even imagine. I, I really can't. Um, I mean, for, on so many levels, you know. Mm -hmm. If you even took the pandemic out of this, the equation, yep, um, I, I still can't imagine. I mean, teachers, uh, they graduate from college with a target on their chest. Yep. Culturally and politically, teachers and schools have always been about the easiest thing to lay blame on. Yeah. Something doesn't go right. Um, you know, Schools are the closest thing that people have to feeling like they could directly influence. Correct. Like in a millage vote or, you know, they can go to their school board and they know the people sitting behind that table mm -hmm. and they don't know the people in Lansing or the people in DC, but, and their local school board. So schools are, yeah, it's, I don't know where it's going to go. I I'm, I'm worried for the future of public education. That's for sure. Well, I, I, Honestly, not to a doomist degree, but like, it's not even so much where it's going to go. It's where it's going right now. There are massive dropouts, like, or massive resignations of oh, teachers yeah. who are just, and so obviously the people who don't understand the opposite argument is, well, these teachers just don't get it. It's always been hard and they're dropping because they're cowards and whatever. It's like, no, no, no. They're not, A, first of all, when's the last time teachers wages on, or on average nationally went up? Like the wages have stayed so stagnant and the climate is just so hot right now. Yeah. It, it's got to be so stressful. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I don't know how they're doing it. And, and I suspect, yeah, I mean, they're dropping like flies mm -hmm. uh, emotionally and mentally. Uh, teachers are, are under attack. And I, I have a hard time picturing a lot of them finishing their careers in education. Yeah, because stress is just so high. So obviously, the pandemic is a 
wild, out of the blue situation, but something that you, I guess, had some uh, familiarity with was how, what was it like being a teacher on 9-11? I mean, what, like, was that, is that a, me I mean, of course it's memorable, but like, that was the last terrifying national situation. It was very difficult. I, I remember exactly where I was when, when all that, just like, you know, it's sort of like, uh, when John F. Kennedy was shot, I remember, you know, mm -hmm. I was in fourth grade and they sat us all down and I flashed on that immediately when it happened because I thought, okay, I have to help these kids understand something that I don't understand. Right. And, and not even understand it so much as like, how can I create this safe space? I mean, and that to me has been probably the most underlying tenet of my teaching career, at least, was when someone walked in my room, I wanted them to feel safe. Yeah. I wanted to feel that they were in a safe space, that they could become who they are, be who they are, become who they are. And uh, so that was very challenging because uh, we were all just, well, it was similar to when the pandemic shutdown happened. I mean, it was like, I, there was many times I just felt like curling up in a fetal position and, right. and just hoping it would go away. Uh, you know, so yeah, it's, those moments are, are tough. They're really I've, I've heard other teachers describe that particular moment, obviously 9-11 being like, yeah, there was the initial terrifying shock that like, are we going to get hit again? Like, is this going to happen around the country? But yeah, that exact conversation you described where you have to sort of explain to the kids what's happening when you don't even really know yourself. I mean, a lot of it, I think, is just like many things. The responsibility is not to explain too much, but to listen. Yeah. Uh, and just give them a space to to say what they're feeling. And, mm -hmm. and, and I mean, it's like when you have to deal with a death with kids, you know, a, of a classmate or a teacher or a parent yeah. or something, you know, uh, just to listen, just to be there. How, I'm sure that being a parent and a grandparent, of course, goes into that. There's some intuition, but there's some separation between how a teacher interacts with kids and how someone who's directly related by family interacts with kids. Yes, there's the comforting nature of like trying to make sure that your room is a safe space. But when you have sort of the opposite, when you have the quote problem child who's making it difficult for everyone to exist and to thrive or if you have a bully you know how do you as an adult look at a kid and not have this you little shit attitude like how do you see them for the struggles that they're dealing with at home well first of all sometimes you do feel like you little shit yeah <laughs> i imagine well, yeah i mean you do it's just it doesn't mean you write them off, but you'd sort of acknowledge mm -hmm. you're being a little shit right now. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure you said those exact words verbatim to my face. Well, it's possible. <laughs> um, you know, to me, I mean, one of the th things I've heard kids say to me uh, as adults now is that they, I was honest with them. Oh, yeah. And... And I always, I, I didn't realize that till many years later. I mean, I did because I was honest with them, but I didn't realize to them how important that was. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't mean, because you can be honest and not write them off. I mean, sure. you can say you're a little turd 
you know, here's what you're doing and here's how it's impacting people. Um, and, and then you just hang in there with them. I, I, I'm the first to recognize, because I think that's the only way I can help move forward with someone is, is to try to recognize their struggles and the hurts that they've had. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was, wasn't, it was many years into my career when instead of saying like, why'd you do that? You know, or what were you thinking that I would just say, who hurt you? You know, and not looking for the who so much as what is the hurt that's causing you to do this? What, what, what is it? Because if we can recognize that, we can move forward. There's a chance of moving forward if you can recognize that. And if I can recognize that. Um, I, I think that is almost exactly what I was talking about at the start, too, is that, like, it really felt, and, you know, as a kid, when you're in school, it's impossible to recognize that your teacher has some sort of empathy or to see your teacher as a human. At, in, at the time, they're just, you know, your boss before you have a boss, and you're just a drag on my day, and I just want to be here to fuck around with my friends. Right. However, there's definitely some truth to that. When you walk into your classroom, it was a totally different space. And I know that it's, it has a lot to do with the fact that it was not an extracurricular, but what's the, the, the phrase? It wasn't a, or is it an extracurricular? Yeah, it's, yeah co-curricular. It, co-curricular, or an elective. It was an elective. Was a, an know. elective class. Just, <clears throat> just being, being in a space where it was like, okay, I have some sort of agency here. It allowed everyone in that room to feel like we were kind of equals because like, yes, when you're in a classroom setting, there's like a natural competitiveness. Like you want to be the smart kid or you want to be the kid to get it first. But when in band, it's like, I've got my little squad of percussionists over here and we've got flute players and other wind instruments over here and brass over here. So you felt like you were seen there in a different way and then by having someone at the top who kind of led the group with a level of empathy that it's just like this guy's not here to grade me like he's not here to judge my behavior in class i get to have moments where i stand out um yeah you get to really flex your creative muscles in there and if if that class was taught by someone who just didn't care you know, obviously there's a different outcome. If it's a curriculum thing where it's like, I just have to get the kids in and I have to teach them this part of the book. You can sense that as a kid, even when you're a kid, like this person doesn't care about me. They care about their job. And we could always sense that you cared about us. And that was huge for us, you know? I I hope so. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Thanks. I mean, I think that is the most, one of the most important things is the connection Mm -hmm. and I've always felt that that kids they need to belong to something, yeah. And uh, whether it's band or sports or the photography club or whatever, they needed to feel like they were an important part of something. And band certainly can make that is a good one to do that with because mm-hmm. they, they belong to the band. But they also are, they're the percussionists. They have a group within a group, you know that that they belong to. Um, yeah. And and, I mean, that's why I like to just stand at the door and greet everybody when they came in so that I could get a sense of where they were that day. Was it a good day, bad day where they, were they going to need a little extra attention? Um, or, you know, some time, 
um, to be recognized and acknowledged. Sure. Uh, and that's hard sometimes, especially in a large class like that, you know, you got and, 80, 90 kids in there. It's, it's, you right. know, there, there are, there are people I know that went through and maybe don't feel the way you did, you know, that I, I mean, I tried, but sometimes it's not easy to, to make that connection and some put up a lot of walls for it. From episode 19, I talked to my digital media production teacher, Rich Spicer. To like gauge some sort of evolution of self that mm -hmm. like, um, you know, we'll get into our relationship as student teacher. Um, but, you know, you there were times where you had to maybe stop fights, like physical fights between me and others. There was vocal I arguments. I yeah, did. You did. You did. I did. I most yeah. certainly did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you, 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 and a uh, student that I, I won't name. You can even say it, and I'll just beep it if if, uh, if, if names come up. No. Yeah. That. That's. Yeah. I've. I've. Yeah. So sure. yeah. I mean, you. You were. You were. And and are a pretty intense individual. Yeah. And um, I've. That was uh, still. And I've been in that classroom now, David, for ten years. That is still the only time that I have had to step between two people. In Interesting. And I thought at the time, holy crap, is this going to be what my uh, what my future looks like? Am I am I going to have to diffuse situations like this? Uh, fortunately, that's the only time so far that I've ever had to had to step in and and uh, and and kind of throw some water on a situation that was burning a little bit. We uh, we we will kind of stack the timeline properly um, because that was I want to say probably more more towards the middle or towards the end of the year. But to supply context to the listeners, it was it was simply that myself and a girlfriend had just broken up and I was very sensitive about it. And somebody in class uh, was just harping the joke a little too far. And I had not quite, I had not even considered exploring my anger issues yet. Um, and uh, yeah, I lashed out, I, I think, I mean, what is your, I, I feel like I've been in so many near altercations in my life that they all sort of start to blur together, which is not a great thing, just to be clear. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not taking pride in that. Um, this is sort of that taste gap, but for uh, how you're supposed to act as human. Like, I know I was supposed to be better than that, but like, I didn't know what to do to get there. Um, what was your observation of that, really? I mean, or, or more yet, let's, we can, we can get there in just a second. What, what do you remember as your first observation of me as an individual? Uh, I, I, I knew you knew what you wanted to do, Sure, but I don't at that age. And I don't think anyone at that age really knows how they're going to get there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you were, you were always a very intense individual and you were not someone that I would have ever want to have, have been on the bad side of. <laughs> But you know, you um, know, you never have been actually. Well, I'm I'm glad we wouldn't be doing this probably otherwise. But <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, I, and and you know, that was my first year in the classroom, so uh, time has taught me a lot about um, emotions. Mm -hmm. It's taught me that if somebody is acting out in class, uh, they're not acting out just to act out. There's a reason. Yes. Something's bubbling under, and you yeah. just described to me what was happening, but I wasn't aware that that was happening at the time. All I know is I just had to step between two people who were just about to throw hands. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but, you know, in the years since, I have come to the conclusion that um, 
So if there's a situation that arises like that in the classroom, it usually involves me pulling someone out of the hallway and saying, hey, what's going on in your life? Mm-hmm. Is there something we can do? Is there something we can do to help you talk to us? Let it, I mean, you know, don't, and, and, and not punish the act, but try to get to the bottom of why the act happened. I think the notion of generational trauma can often go unrecognized, or the idea of generational trauma can un- or often go unrecognized in classrooms. Now, I'm not a teacher. I have, I have surrounded myself with friends who are, but even the teachers are like, they've got some shit going on at home, you know? Sometimes there's family issues or money issues or just regular world stress issues, And so there's blinders on for some teachers, too, when they come into class that, like, we're all just, we've all got a job to do. We've got a curriculum to get through. we got to get done with it. So, yeah, there are some teachers who see a disruption in class and just go, just get out of my class. Like, you need to go. And that's where it stops. Mm -hmm. But I think one thing that I have observed about you and Frank and Cammie and, and other good teachers in my life is that there was some understanding that, like, there is some stuff going on at home. Clearly, these are defense mechanisms to be perceived in a threatening way or perceived as a uh, as a I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I guess I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say. I'm just, just saying that you approached it the proper way through my eyes. Um, well, and also, you know, sometimes even the most well adjusted student, I mean, 11th and 12th grade is a hard time in life. Yeah. You know, you're just finding yourself, you're trying to figure out what you're going to be, who you're going to be, what you're going to do. And especially, you know, those last few months of the senior year, when aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas and moms and dads are saying, well, you're about to graduate. What are you going to do? Yes. And there's a lot of a lot of students who aren't ready to answer that question yet, and they don't want to be asked that question. Right. Uh, because life as they've known it for 13 years is about to come to an end and what are they going to do next? So that's something you have to be really, really sensitive to, I think. And one of the things that I've been pretty candid about on this podcast so far, it's a thing that like, I'm kind of still embarrassed about, but I, I, I've been able to work through it to whatever degree I'm supposed to. Um, I was what is known as a super senior. I spent a fifth year in high school and that was the year that I had you as a teacher. Um, and so there was n- not just these like these feelings of shame that I was definitely feeling in the time because I was disappointed in myself ultimately. Um, but I think the reason that I became so disappointed in myself was just like what you're saying. There are so many expectations put on a kid, let alone a kid with anger issues and um, ADHD and a desire to be loved, you know, that like by the time everyone else was proven right that like you keep acting like this you're gonna fail you're gonna end up i I remember a particular person in my life and i'm not gonna say their name but they were they are somehow related to me they said there's two i was i was like 10 years old and this stuck with me and i I guess i want to get your read on it too they said there's two types of people in the world which is already an oversimplification in my eyes there's two types of people in the world. There's the people who dig ditches and the people who tell other people to dig ditches. And he said, if you keep continuing the way you're continuing, you're going to be digging ditches for the rest of your life. And you were told that at 10 years old. 10 years old. So uh, here we here we stand like, what, 
28 years later, or 18 years later. 18 years later, yep. Uh, and that still has a profound effect on you. It really messed me up. So, and, and, and I always think of that, you know, as someone who spends time in the classroom and is, is a mentor to, to our students, don't say anything like that. Yeah. Don't say some, we, we all can point to things that were said to us when we were younger that, that either, either completely destroyed you or motivated you. Correct. You know, one of the two things. And, um, you know, I've, I've had students who have confided in me about things that were said to them. And how do you undo that? How do you, how, what can you say to someone who has had that kind of profound thing said to them so profound that it, that it shapes their thoughts years later? Um, what do you say to them to undo the damage that was done by some adult that thought they were caring in that moment by saying something like that? Well, I think the difference is that a lot of students aren't looking for that. They aren't looking for a teacher to fix it. What they want is just empathy, right? They want someone to, to listen. Someone to listen. They want to feel like the expectation, you know, if they've got an abusive, whether it's physical or emotionally abusive household, Mm-hmm. Um, they're not looking for you to call the cops on your parents. They're just looking for you to tell them that, like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, you, that will not happen here. We accept you for who you are. And that doesn't mean that they get to get away with everything in class. That doesn't mean they just get to be a blanket interruption because we feel empathetic for this kid. But, like, it's horrible when a kid is, uh, when these expectations are expressed onto a kid. And then they get to school and those same exact expectations are placed on them by their teachers too. And it's like, well, I, I'm just letting everybody down. Mm-hmm. I'm not, and then, you know, you get separated from your friends sometimes because you get kicked out of class or whatever. So it's like, I don't have my family. I don't have my teachers. I don't have my friends. I don't have my peers. I am now, it's like the, the ISS philosophy. Like you are, <laughs> you are alone. You are to be removed from the group. And you don't, you don't ever want to have a student feel alone um you know it's interesting in in digital media production um in in our class i I, we we attract the creative kids obviously sure and the kids who are coming to our class as a general rule not all of them but um you know they're they're trying to express themselves they're trying to um sometimes get away from uh from an undesirable situation and doing that through creative expression in our class. And, you know, I mean, David, you know, as well as I do, we, we get, we get those kids two hours a day and we get them during their 11th and 12th grade years, which as I had just mentioned, those are, those are emotional years. Those are difficult years. So in, in some ways we spend more time with them during their 11th and 12th grade years than even their parents do. So we have a responsibility to um, feed that creative expression um, to, I don't want to say let misbehavior slide, but invest in them. Yeah. Um, Let them know that we're on their side. Um, And I've, you know, I've, I've stayed in touch with so many 
former DMP students over the years. I feel like I have 500 of my kids out there after, you know, in the last 10 years. And, um, you know, it's, it's fun, especially to watch the kids who struggled um, in, in the class find themselves, become yeah. successes, um, and celebrate their successes with them. Um, I've, I actually have a former student who is a, uh, who is a realtor in Lansing. And I just reached out to her, uh, just last night and said, you know, we've got these things called client points, uh, in our classroom that, uh, Miss Cook requires. And what's to say you can't send me pictures of the homes you're trying to sell. Uh, grab your phone and do a tour through the house send us all that and our kids can make something for you to post on YouTube or help, help, help you. Um, you know, it's all about relationships, David. It's all about relationships. I love that. Now can, I guess to paint the scene a little bit, can you in your own words sort of explain what DMP is? Because that's where we met in, I believe the the second year that the class existed, but your first year as a parapro. That's right. So it actually was the, it, I think it was the third year it existed. Oh um, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Yep. Cammy, Cammy had like one, one student at Cadillac and then the second year was at Cadillac. And then, uh, the first year was, uh, at the CTC, there was, um, I think 11 or 12 kids and. Which um, is a technical, just for the sake of it is a technical center. Uh, career it's ctc it, is the career tech center yeah. it, it is a it is a building and not all career technical education programs exist in their own building in the state yes. but in cadillac it has its own building um it uh, is actually celebrating its 50th anniversary this year what um, yeah uh it, it was built in 73 and um and uh it it, it was established through a millage um, Cadillac is a very blue collar town. So the CTC was actually established to fill blue collar jobs, uh, that were available in Cadillac. That checks um, out. It has evolved a lot since then. In fact, um, I think one of the biggest, um, one of the, one of the biggest things that, that people don't understand about it in the community is it's no longer the school where the unteachable kids go. Um, yeah, that the kids who who are are, are struggling in high school, um, it's not that way anymore, and it does have some sort of a stigma that's still attached to it. But David, over the years, um, digital media production has had a valedictorian from their homeschool hey. in our class, and we've had two salutatorians that All came right. from our class. So we've got the the CTC has smart kids coming to us. Um, and, and not necessarily the ones who aren't college bound either. So, um, so well, yeah. can I, I, I want to interject real fast. Cause for me, it really felt like for a person who I knew very early, at least, um, with, with the expectation that you're going to go tens of thousands of dollars into debt, college was not for me. It just mm -hmm. wasn't, I was not going to have your traditional college experience. So being at CTC sort of felt like, um, I'm going to my class, I'm going to work on my major, but on the way through the hall, I'm going to be see somebody who's going to uh, the mechanic shop or somebody who's going to the health uh, and wellness center. I don't remember what it was specifically called. And then there were some people who were working with like food and, you know, everybody, it came 
I, I hear what you're saying in that um, it was seen as where the unteachable go. But my my view was that it's like people who know that they don't want what they're supposed to want, but that have not quite found their thing yet. It was a mm-hmm. workshop for them to kind of explore that. And from episode 27, for the first time since leaving the church in over 10 years, I talked to my former youth pastor, Fig Vandermolen. You know, we... <laughs> And maybe that's not a very good example of trust. <laughs> but you don't want a kid to enter the world thinking everyone's my enemy. Yeah. Because they're not, and they shouldn't be. You know, um, I'm not saying there's not some some bad actors out there. But um, but the vast majority of adults care about kids. Yeah. And it's good for kids to know that. I think that that was, I guess, yeah, now upon reflecting, that was a bigger deal than I realized. Because there were also a lot of adult figures there that I would not have otherwise that I like hold very near and dear to my heart. Absolutely. Like I think of these characters in my life as very wise individuals sure. that I wouldn't have met otherwise through the church, even though, which again, this podcast will kind of lend itself as a space to get into that, um, which I'm sure you have. I know when we talked about doing this podcast, you said that there were some things that you wanted to ask me and things that you wanted to talk about when oh, man. this was a long time ago. I'm okay. not saying that you necessarily remember those things, but my life has kind of gone a different direction sure. in, in a way. And I want to be careful in the way that I talk about this. And I guess, let me just be as blanket transparent as I can be. I've been really intimidated about doing this. I was really, this, not just necessarily this, but even like reconnecting as friends, because there's a weird side when you separate from either identifying as a religious person or when you separate from religion entirely, where you're like, I am no longer seen as a safe person to be around anymore. And like, it's all up here. Oh, it's all, it's all up here. I'm, I'm not really, I know I'm not a dangerous person to be around, but there is optics when you, I don't know, I guess to maybe back it up a little bit to those or for those who haven't heard any of my, uh, what did I even call it? I called it um, losing faith in faith Mm -hmm. episode where like I've gone through many stages of spirituality or religion where it ended up being either I was a militant atheist or I was just extraordinarily anti-Christian or religion or organized religion in general to now there's just an openness to be okay with the inevitability that like, or not the inevitability, but just the idea that I'm, I'm comfortable not knowing. And that is a safe, uh, 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 I don't know. This is why I'm int- intimidated. Here's okay. okay. Well, you're doing great. Here's, here's, I'm not entirely sure what you're saying, but you're right. Right. You're crushing it. Way to go. It went, it, not just talking to fig to talking to anybody who is sure about their faith and about their religion it's really hard for me to broach that subject because I am so comfortable being unsure where it's like, I'm, there are so many things about what you, about the words you live by that I'm willing to accept might be true, but I'm not comfortable enough living my life by those principles anymore that like, I'm stuck in this weird limbo of like, I'm a safe guy to be around. I am a I I can talk about spirituality and religion and I can talk about the inner workings of life and stress and death and but there's no god to lead me through a lot of that. 
And I just wonder how that makes, I don't know if this is a selfish question, but I just wonder how that makes you feel as a person who introduced me to God in general. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you're saying, Fig, do you feel bad it didn't work? You know what? I mean, that's... N sh sure. Uh, I mean, you're in my house right now. Right. So plenty of my work worked. Yeah. Because care is a part of my work. Sure. You know, uh, Christ calls me to that. Yes. Also, that's who I've become and grown into. And, and I've learned that from many people who have cared about me through my life, too. Like, care is an important piece in any human relationship, though it sadly is missing from a lot of human relationships yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean, <clears throat> when I say a human relationship, I don't mean like a really close friends or, or married, you know. I mean all of our interactions. Yep. Like, how, you know, how I cared for the total stranger at the grocery store this morning in the checkout when they were having a hard time figuring out their payment. And they felt bad that it was making me late or whatever, which it wasn't. And I was like, hey, it's no big deal. Right. That's care in a relationship. Right. You know, like that element of care has has also been going away in our country. And so, for example, that has worked fine. Yes. But to, to be fair, on the other side of that, there was some intimidation. Uh, well, you didn't word it as intimidation, but hesitation to get in touch with me. Sure. So because of care... Uh, and because of the way our culture works and some of the things that I knew you were going through just from, I mean, I still talk to people you talk to, Yeah, you know, there has been, and I've learned this, not just with you, but other students too, that are your age, you know, that sounded really like I'm super, I'm not that much older than you. No, I, I well, I have realized now that I am older now than when you were, when you met You're me. older now than I was when I met you. Yeah. yeah, for sure. It's crazy. But so there is, there is, there has been people from the Christian camp, call it what you want to call it, who have thought the best thing to do is that person's drifting away. I'm going to reach out over and over and over again. And I have learned and many people have shared that made it worse. Yeah. And I didn't want that. It would have. Yeah, and I agree. Yeah. So you're right. Not intimidation, but, you know, I play a lot of chess. Sure. Not that our relationship's a game. That's not what I meant. No, but, but, you know, like, I understand that things that I can do can have adverse effects. And I didn't want that either. Does the so, so sometimes patience is okay. I think I have maybe an issue. And look, here you are. I am here. And and that, for what it's worth, before we get off of that, that matters a lot to me. The, okay. That there is a layer of, you know, even though maybe my expectation was, you know what? I don't even want to put that on to you. I did not expect that you would ever at any point be like, no, you can't come over here. Because we loved Good. each other. Right. You, you were a very deep friend of mine, a dear friend of mine. And there was no, like, there was no period of animosity. I just... Now, Start. the guest dog did bark a lot when he came over. That is true. Where is that I dog, don't know. by the way? Ruby! She's probably sleeping somewhere. I don't, I don't know, know if we already talked about this on tape, but we're house-sitting this dog that you really took to. You're right. I take, to, I take to any dogs. Oh, this is a cute dog. I love dogs. I love little the dogs. The tiniest, tiniest dog. We tried to get a good picture of it next to my shoe. I have large feet. It's about... It's about three feet. <laughs> well, here. It's, I bet it's 13 and a half inches long. You know, I'm actually wearing size 13. I'm wearing size 15. Mine I think little... size 13 should be 13 inches, but it doesn't work that way. No. Oh, yours do. Yours are exactly 13 inches. Hey, there you go. Well, oh, anyway. I thought that just broke. Uh, no. Um. <laughs> no, it's not broken. It <laughs> smells like the garage, but it's yeah, not broken. I feel like I have very... 
vivid flashback memories of hurting myself with these things. ADHD podcast. Get back. <laughs> hey, listen. Get back. Get back. <laughs> ADHD time. Uh, oh, okay, okay. okay. What are we talking about? Uh, uh, yeah. So, okay. When it comes to terms, when it comes to Christianity, I, I feel like I've lost sight of... So, pardon me if I'm using some of these incorrectly. Okay. Does the word uh, evangelical... Do, do you feel like you identify with that? Uh, so there's like capital E evangelical yes. and there's lowercase e evangelical. The That's how I would define of evangelicalism. You mean evangelizing? Evangelizing. Sure. Yes. Okay. So that, that term applies. Yeah. I would love for you to be a Christian. Is that what you're saying? Right. I would. Right. So there is a, a you know, I did throw some notes on my phone, but. Who needs that? Screw it. Who needs notes? I um, would love heaven to be packed. Right. Okay. And I think that there's some mindset in, in American culture that people who are Christian, faith-based, or they know they're going there or whatever, are kind of happy how it is in hopes weirdos don't come. And that's just not true. Interesting. That's just not true. We would love for heaven to be packed. There's a place for you there. I know that not everyone will go. And right. whether or not you're going, A, isn't up to me. And B, doesn't change how much I like you. If, if what you believe to be true is true, I am not. Well, if what you if, believe, if, if we die on the way out of the house today, well, right, right, right. You got some time. Long game, remember? Of course, of course. Well, and that's and that's a that's a part of this. And that, like, I don't. We're talking about care and relationships, mm -hmm. right? Of course, if I if I still believed that if you do not accept Jesus into your heart, that you will burn for an eternity, mm -hmm. I would do everything in my power to get my loved ones to follow me, but I could not handle the, the guilt of not being able to, if it, if it sure. felt like it was, if it is my calling, if God has called me to bring others to or closer to him and I can't do that, what is that weight like? Sure. So I, you said that you would want them to follow you. A little bit about that. Sure, sure. false gods. To, to follow that. Christ. I mean, right. I, I want people to follow Christ. Right. And... To join me. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. But, um, but yes, I do believe salvation is a one and done. Like, you know, you can have a moment where you accept Christ and you're saved. You know, I also recognize that's not always the first time I talk to someone for whom that happens. So, like, I've got plenty of time with you. Or I've got the time God gives me. Right. You know, with you or with anyone, you know, I, we're, we're talking a lot about me and you, but, yeah. you know, you're not the only student I've ever had. Sure. You're also not the only student I've ever had that's in a pretty similar boat yeah. to you. Not identical, but not that dissimilar. Yeah. And on the I, converse, I've had plenty of students who, who have found love for Christ. The and, long game worked. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I hate saying that. This makes it sound really like well strategic or like I don't actually care about you if I don't win or like it's about it's none of that. But, you know. Care doesn't end after a four-year window. Youth ministry, sure. youth ministry, sort of gets a bad rap for that of like, oh, it's only four years or seven years if you have middle school too, and then and then who cares? Right. It's never been like that for me. Now that also means that I'm still interacting with students who are long out of high school. Right. But the churches that I've worked, yeah, like you, the, the churches that I worked that I've been understanding and cool of that too, like they get it. You know, like ministry is lifelong. It's not just grades 9 to 12, and then hope you got it figured out. Okay, well, how about that? Our first totally not a clip show, but sort of kind of almost kind of a clip show clip show. 
featuring some conversations with some of my mentors over the past. Um, Frank Youngman, Rich Spicer, Fig Vandermolen. Uh, it's crazy that we are now at a point in this show where I have enough content to pull for a clip show. <laughs> uh, so thank you for joining me. I really appreciate you showing up and supporting me every week. Um, like I mentioned at the start, if you would like to support in a different way with your dollar dollar bills, y'all, um, by clicking the link in the, the description, it's possible that at the beginning I was saying click the link in the subscription. But what I mean to say is click the link or tap the link in the description and uh, you can now contribute financially to the ADH Deep Dive, either $3, $5, $7, or $10. You can do that monthly or just a one-time single contribution. Cancel at any time uh, by going to my Buzzsprout subscriptions page. This is where I host every episode of the podcast. So tap the link in the subscription, $3, $5, $7, $10, one time. Or monthly, cancel anytime. It helps me keep this podcast going so I have actual content to pour into your ear holes and potentially your, your eyeballs as well every week if you watch the video version, which I sort of kind of prefer that people do because I really do love putting the effort into doing the video version. But um, the Buzzsprout subscriptions is actually more geared toward the audio listeners because they are the ones um, that host the audio version. Um, YouTube is where the video version lies. So one last time, uh, if you go to catandcrew.com and enter the promo code MONDAY, that's M-U-N-D-A-Y, you can get 10% off your first purchase with certain terms apply for certain items that are new in the store. Um, and then by tapping the link in the subscription, or, <laughs> I did it again, God damn it! By tacking $3, you complete me. Thank you for joining. I love you. Keep going. And in theory, should all go according to plan, I'll see you next week.